right. Uh, we will go ahead and uh, get started here. Uh, good morning, everyone. Again, uh, great to be with you. My name is Matt, for those of you who I haven't met. Uh, and I'm joined today by Coulter Batterton. Um, yes, give it up for Coulter. Thank you. Uh, we are nearing the end of our series through the book of Galatians, but we're actually taking a break from that series this morning to talk about discipleship. So I'm going to read a, a passage that we call the Great Commission and share some thoughts on discipleship. This is the very end of the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, verse 18. So you can turn to Matthew 28 uh, if you want to, but either way, I want to start by reading this over us. And for context, as we jump into these final verses in the book, uh, Jesus is back from the dead in a resurrected body, and he appears to his disciples and hundreds of others. And then we read this. It says, and then, verse 18, then Jesus came to them, the 11 disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for these words, some of the final words that you spoke to your disciples. Uh, God, I pray that we would hear them afresh this morning and that we would see ourselves uh, as being a part of your story, the story that you're writing with creation. Would we find ourselves in these words? Would your words resonate in our heart uh, and really shape our lives, Lord? We don't want to be people who hear uh, and then wander off and forget and don't actually live out uh, the things that you call us to be and the things that you call us to do. So fill us with your spirit and empower us to that end this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, this uh, charge, this commission, which Jesus gives to his disciples, has come to be known as the Great Commission. And it is for everyone. It's the call on the life of every follower of Jesus throughout history. Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the, these are these two overarching commands he, he places on the life of his disciples. And then he says, go into the world and make disciples, teaching them to do the same. So if you combine these commands of Jesus, if you put them all together, the central call on our lives as followers of Jesus would sound something like this. Love God, love others, and make disciples, teaching them to do all three. Love God, love others, and make disciples, teaching them to do all three. So they can go on and love God, love others, and make disciples, who are then going to go out and love God and love others and make disciples, who know how to go out and love God, love others, and you see where this is going. 
This is the central call of God on our lives. Uh, this is the reason that church communities exist. It is the, the central thrust of the mission of God in the world. And so we want to share some thoughts this morning out of our story and our relationship as just one picture uh, of what it looks like to chase down the Great Commission right where you are, just as you are right now. So our uh, story for Coulter and I uh, starts four years ago when my wife and I moved to Spokane. Uh, We didn't know anybody in Spokane when we felt God call us to move here, but we moved and we actually planted the church four years ago right here where you're sitting uh, at this exact spot in the park. Uh, And we started off by just talking about vision and values. This is who we are. This is what we believe. Uh, This is the type of community we feel that God is calling us uh, to to grow and to plant. Um, And on one particular Sunday, we talked about discipleship and the role that it plays in our lives. And I challenged our community to think about who was pouring into them and also who they were pouring into or discipling. Uh, And I said, if you don't have anyone pouring into you, uh, and just as importantly, if you uh, don't have someone that you're pouring into or discipling, then we need to pray and listen and ask God for those things. I just asked the Holy Spirit to begin directing those relationships. And, And as I was preaching that message brand new to the city, I realized that not only did our community need to begin praying those prayers, but I needed to pray that prayer as well. Uh, God, who do you want me to pour into and invest in? And so I did. I began praying that prayer, uh, and that's really where our story began. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, I remember during one of the first sermons in the Vision series um, over four years ago, um, and Matt ended his teaching um, by asking each of us to pray um, about who God was calling us to build with um, relationally, um, individually as well. And so over the coming weeks, I began praying and listening um, to see who God had in mind to mentor me. Um, I had recently graduated high school and was headed to college in the fall, um, so it seemed natural for me to look for someone who could pour into my life as I head into this transitional time. Um, and I felt like the Lord was leading me to ask Matt to mentor me, um, which actually was a surprise um, for a variety of reasons. Um, but after one of the gatherings during teardown, um, I asked Matt if he would be willing to disciple me. Um, obviously, he said yes, because we're here. Um, and after picking up a time which would work for both of us, we committed to meeting regularly for a year. Um, when we first started getting together, neither one of us knew how it would go um, or if it would go anywhere or what would happen. Yeah, and I, I think looking back now, I think we both had our doubts uh, about what our relationship would look like. I mean, clearly we had both been praying and we sensed that it was God who had kind of laid this idea on our hearts. Uh, but it's hard to exaggerate uh, how different the two of us are. Uh, Coulter and I uh, grew up on opposite ends of the political spectrum. Uh, I'm a high introvert. Uh, Coulter is a high extrovert. Uh, We uh, both loved playing sports, but we played different sports, so we had almost no overlap uh, in our interests there. Occasionally, we'd we'd watch sports, but we would always root for rival teams. Uh, He played football. I played tennis. I'm a Huskies fan. He's a Cougars fan. Uh, We had different political impulses and upbringings because of the way we were raised. Uh, I'm a vegan. 
Uh, Coulter has hunted down a deer, um, cut out its heart, and taken a bite out of it. Like, just raw in the woods. Okay, so that's kind of a no-go for most vegans. Like, we, we don't usually do that. Okay, so, so coming in, we thought, well, clearly, like, God laid this on our heart, but the question up front is, is this going to work? Are we going to, to click? Are we going to connect? Yeah, and I know you think that Matt is joking. Um, there's definitely some humor in there behind what he says, but become, but only because of how true it is. Um, I think that other than being followers of Jesus and being male, um, we had very little in common. Um, but even though we came from totally different upbringings and had different interests, God knit our hearts together in a truly miraculous way. Four years later, we've met one-on-one almost every single week on top of the endless church things that we have every week. Um, And I know that some of you are thinking to yourself, what did they do? I mean, it's probably like 250 meetings altogether that we've met outside of this stuff. So um, what did we do during those times? Uh, The answer is super simple. Uh, We just lived life together. And... And many times when we think of the traditional church discipleship relationship, um, we think of an older believer um, shepherding a younger believer, um, and they'll go through a book or they'll pray together weekly. Um, And I can attest to the fact that we did those things on numerous occasions, um, but it's been a lot more than that. Um, We've leaned on one another when times were hard and rejoiced with each other um, when something amazing happened. I've had the privilege of seeing his children be born and grow up um, and see firsthand how he leads his family. And as both Matt and I have said, um, we had very little in common when we started. Um, So naturally, we needed to find some common ground and some interests that we could, something we could do together that we could enjoy. Um, That doesn't mean that Matt has gone hunting with me. um, And it definitely doesn't mean that I've become a vegan. But it does mean that now we have a long list of things which we can enjoy together. Um, We golf together, we take hikes together, um, and we continue to push one another into new experiences and giftings. As Matt had said earlier, very extroverted person, love big groups of people, love hanging out with people. Um, But one of the um, downsides of being super extroverted is that it makes the practice of silence and solitude really difficult um, and almost unbearable, if you ask me. Um, so naturally the Lord decided that I needed to be paired up with a super introverted person who loves silence and solitude. Um, and because of that, I've been able to grow in that practice. We've been able to sharpen one another in different things because of our differences. Um, and something that seemed like it probably wouldn't work out actually has turned out to be a great strength for the two of us. And then moving on to a different example of growing in common interests. Um, Matt asked me if I wanted to go and bike the Oregon coast with him in 2018. Um, To give you some context, definitely wouldn't consider myself a cyclist, Um, not really even a strong biker at the time. Um, And thinking about biking all 400 miles of the Oregon coast with every hill and bump that came with it sounded terrible. Um, But this was something that Matt wanted to share with me. It's something he'd done with some of his other friends and he wanted me to be a part of it. Um, So I borrowed a bike and got some new gear and started biking. Um, And since then, I've gotten into cycling, and it's something I enjoy. And it's something I never would have enjoyed had Matt not pushed me and asked me to do that. I say all of this to show and to tell you that our interests have grown over time as long as we've shared life together and we've learned from one another. 
Over time, we've found common ground and have grown a deep friendship just from following after Jesus together. Right. So not only have our uh, interests grown and expanded over time, uh, which is very intentional, um, not only have we challenged each other in different things, I can think just off the top of my head how much culture has challenged me and just life in the spirit and the gifts of the spirit, uh, which I hadn't had a ton of exposure to before, but which I love now and, and just operating in those. Uh, and so not only have we seen all of those things come out of this relationship, but also the relationship itself uh, has truly developed and shifted over time. Uh, one of my favorite uh, lines from Jesus is when he says, no student is above their teacher, but every disciple who is fully trained becomes like their teacher. And that's ultimately our hope as followers of Jesus, as we apprentice under Jesus, as we follow after him, as we structure our lives the way he would want us to, as we spend time with him, as we follow his way, our hope is that we will become like Jesus over time by doing those things. We'll become like our teacher. And that's true in our discipleship to Jesus. And that's true of our discipleship relationships with one another as well. Uh, So this all started with a clear sense of sort of a mentoring aspect as uh, Coulter was fresh out of high school. But over time, it's matured into something much more. Uh, Coulter is coming into this place of being, quote, fully trained. And so over time, throughout the course of our relationship, he becomes less and less of a mentee and more and more of a partner. And actually see us being partners uh, in, in the years and even decades ahead. I think there's a future there for us to be working side by side, making disciples, planting churches, uh, both here in the U.S. and uh, around the world. And so what started as more of a, a student-teacher relationship is now shifting very profoundly into something of equal partnership. And, and I think that's what Jesus is getting at. When he says those things, the student becomes like the teacher and now we'll get to work side by side moving forward in whatever God has for us, making disciples together. But notice that this is very relational. Uh, We aren't meeting up so that I can give Coulter information. Uh, Discipleship is bringing someone along for the journey and then encouraging them to turn around and bring others along for the journey. It's making disciples relationally who know how to turn around and make disciples. Mm. Yeah. In, in the background of our story lies a couple of other examples of discipleship. Um, one of my good friends had gone off to college um, after graduating high school and then came back to Spokane. Um, and while I can say that um, we always would consider each other good friends and, our, and, and that um, we were still super close, um, our relationship changed pretty dramatically. Um, we ended up not spending a ton of time with each other for about a year. Um, during that time, um, as me and Matt were meeting, um, we would pray for him um, every time we met so that um, to see if God would come and meet him in a powerful way. Fast forward through that whole year and... I ended up reconnecting with him and spending more time with him. Uh, We started working out together and and having deep conversations about God um, and faith. Um, I began pouring into him in the same way that I had been taught how to pour into someone and had it modeled to me from Matt. Um, And that has ultimately culminated in him um, coming to me a few months ago um, and asking me to baptize him before we leave um, for Maine. But, But what does this have to do with discipleship? 
Well, it, even, you know, neither of us would have called it a formal discipleship relationship. We were just good friends who were hanging out. And, but God was able to use that as an opportunity for me to strengthen and build him up and for me to have an opportunity to be built up by him. Um, the next story um, comes from someone who I lived with um, for about a year um, but didn't have a lot of relationship with. Um, actually, beyond kind of the arbitrary hello and goodbye in the kitchen, um, I didn't connect with him very well. We just didn't click super well. Um, and fast forward again, um, I had a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago in my living room um, about theology, and he just caps it off by saying, hey, you've had a big impact on my life. Um, and I'm also going to have the opportunity to baptize him in a week. Um, and this is a person who I had no idea I was making an impact on. And if I'm being honest, I probably wasn't super outgoing or very friendly to him. Um, and yet God still used me um, in my lack of knowing um, to draw this person back to himself um, and to help strengthen him. I say all of this to show you that discipleship isn't always formal. Um, it doesn't have to follow some strict set of Levitical laws. Um, it can be as simple as hanging out with one of your closest friends and talking to them about life. Or it can be even happening when you're not aware of it. God uses each of us to build one another up and draw us to himself. And that's discipleship. So if we, if we think about what this commission that Jesus has given to us and we look at the big picture, I've got people who are pouring into me. I'm turning around and uh, discipling Coulter, and Coulter is turning around and discipling others. Uh, sometimes formally, sometimes you call it that, say, this is the relationship I'd like to have. Let's meet every week this time. Here's, what, here's the vision. Here's what we want to do. Uh, sometimes it's, it's highly relational, and it looks very informal uh, as you engage in it. But these are all uh, pictures or snapshots of what it looks like to chase after the Great Commission. It's going to take uh, an incredible variety of forms, but in all of it, we're loving God, we're loving others, and we're making disciples who know how to go out and love God and love others and make disciples who are going to go on and repeat that same pattern. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in my name and teaching them to step into the story that God is writing in creation. And so for each one of us, the call is to make disciples wherever we are. Uh, this isn't like a, a missionary thing for like oh, people who are going to move overseas to some foreign culture. This is for every single follower of Jesus. We're called to make disciples wherever we find ourselves. But embedded in that same commission is the willingness to go, uh, to give up what is familiar, to follow God's call, any time, any place, to any people group. He says, go into all the world, make disciples right where you are, and at the same time, be willing to give everything up and go where I call you to go. Uh, and that's what Coulter's up to next. So Coulter, maybe we could end with just a quick word on where you're headed. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, as many of you know already, um, God has called a team of six of us here at River's Edge to move across the court country to Portland, Maine and plant a church, um, all 2,857 miles of it. Um, and for the six people, both the Albions and the Losis, who I think many of you know are already over there in Maine, and then myself and Beth Easterbrooks are going to be heading over in a couple weeks. 
Um, if you want to hear the full story of how the church plant kind of came about, um, you can go to the River's Edge website and look up the main church plant podcast from December 29th. Um, but this is a big step. God is calling us as a team to step out and into new territory, into a territory that's very unchurched, even though it has a rich history of um, a historical church in that area. Um, and while I'm super excited to see the amazing things that God has planned for this team, um, I'd also like to add that it's truly been an honor and a pleasure to build the kingdom of God with each of you, um, which makes this this parting somewhat bittersweet. Um, however, each of us, including myself, are very confident in what God has called us to, um, and I can't wait to come back and tell you guys all the things that God is up to um, in Maine. In terms of prayer requests, um, both me and Beth are going to be looking for employment when we get over there, um, and then the overall health and wellness of the group. It's a new area, um, and it's just it's difficult to move somewhere, um, especially during these times, and make, make some connections. Um, but the biggest prayer request that comes to mind is a specific location for the church, um, where we feel like we want to put down some roots as a team. Um, yeah, and I'll just end by saying, if any of you are in the Northeast, you can give me a call. And I'll give you a good home-cooked meal, and I can offer you a pretty darn good time. So, thanks. Amen. So, another uh, chapter in this story that's unfolding. As uh, Coulter and others step out to follow God's call to go into the world, to this uh, section of the country that's very unchurched, uh, very secular, very post-Christian, a place that God loves and wants to reach— and uh, they discerned that call of God uh, on their lives. And uh, that, it, that's the Great Commission, is that we invest in the place that we're at until the moment that God says, go. Go into this new place that I've called you to go and make disciples who are going to go on, who know how to make disciples. So just on a practical note, uh, next Sunday after the gathering, we're going to have a time of prayer for um, Coulter. And it probably makes sense to pray for Beth at the same time. Uh, as they prepare to make that jump and follow the rest of the team over to uh, Portland, Maine. And we really are committed to keeping this team in prayer. In the coming weeks, in the coming months, uh, we want to be praying for them and really seeing God move in uh, those circumstances. Uh, But uh, this morning, as we close, I want to just take a moment to just sit and listen. Uh, And in fact, I want to pray that same prayer uh, that Coulter and I were praying four years ago. And it's really simple. We just said, God, who, who do you want to be pouring into me? And who do you want me to be pouring into? Uh, So we're going to pray that now as we close. So you can feel free to um, clear off your laps if you want to. You can sit, you can stand, you can do whatever uh, is going to be best for you. But we're going to take a moment here. Um, The worship team can come back up. And uh, we're going to pray a prayer and just see if the Lord doesn't lay uh, some people on some of your hearts, people that should be pouring into you or people that you should be Uh, pouring into. And the fun part in all of this is that Coulter and I get to pray this prayer with you uh, because this has been a key relationship in our lives. And as he prepares to move 3,000 miles across the country, then then our relationships are are shifting and our capacities are shifting. So we're praying the same prayer. God, who should be pouring into us in this next season? And who should we uh, be pouring into, investing in, discipling for the sake of your kingdom? Let's pray. Jesus, 
Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you were willing to give up everything uh, to come for us. You gave up all your comfort. You gave up all your security. You gave up um, being in this uh, place of enthronement, being um, just praised and in the full love uh, of the Spirit and the Father uh, in this beautiful triune relationship. And, and you stepped into our creation to the lowest point, to the point of a servant, to the point of being humiliated on the cross and sacrificed for our sake. Uh, it, it's hard for us to grasp how high you started and, and how low you were willing to stoop for our sake. And Lord, I, I pray that that would be true of us. Uh, we live in a culture um, full of comfort, full of security, uh, full of, full of uh, things for us to indulge in, full of distractions and things to entertain us. And, and sometimes we just become pacified, Lord. We, we, uh, the worries of this life the deceitfulness of wealth, you say, can choke out the work of the kingdom in our lives. And so uh, we want to come before you afresh this morning, uh, as we do every so often, just have these moments of coming before you and saying, uh, Lord, we belong to you. Uh, we've been claimed by you. We've been bought with a price and we've been bought with a purpose so that we might use the one life we have to invest in, in this, in this mission of God and what it is that you're doing. Lord, would you um, shift some of our dreams this morning? Uh, would we be willing to forsake comfort? Would we be willing to forsake the American dream? Would we be willing to forsake the ability to just uh, amass uh, large amounts of money and security for, for your sake, Lord, for the sake of your kingdom? I pray that we would be uh, struck, we reawakened this morning to the fact that we will stand before you at the end of the age. Uh, to give an account of our lives. And, and our hope, what we live for, is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You, you lived into this story. You, you followed this commission that was given. You, you, you heard my voice, and you followed me wherever I called you. May that characterize us, God. May, may this community be known for that here and around the world, that they're full of people who see the Great Commission and just say yes to you, Jesus, who are willing to go anywhere that you would call us to go. So we um, just have this moment of surrender this morning, Jesus, where we surrender our dreams. Uh, we surrender kind of the dreams that have been given to us through advertising, through parents, through friends and family. Uh, we surrender those dreams, Lord, uh, for the sake of your dreams, for the sake of better dreams. And we invite you to come now, Holy Spirit, and, and anoint that surrender to speak to us about where we're to be, about who we're supposed to grow with, about who's to be pouring into us, about who we're to be pouring into. Perhaps, Lord, it's just a, an image, a picture, the name of a neighborhood, a people group, a country, a nation. The name, or, the name or, or image of an individual that we already know that, that we're supposed to be pouring into and bringing along for the journey. We invite you to come now, Holy Spirit. We want to be people who walk in step with the Spirit, who know you, who love you, who recognize your voice. Just come and speak to us as we worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen.